welcome to Knitter Square. I'm your host Leanne Hunt and I hope you'll pick up your knitting and spend the next little while with me as we share that warm fuzzy feeling that comes when we knit and crochet for charity. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 6 of the Knitter Square podcast. I'm your show host Leanne Hunt and I've got a really bumper episode for you today with some lovely, exciting interviews lined up. As I record this, it is an icy cold morning in Johannesburg. Uh, winter has really come with a vengeance. We had a couple of days of rain earlier this week. Um, cold temperatures coming up from the Cape, as they usually do, where there was snow. And uh, here in Johannesburg, we haven't seen snow, but the... Um, the rain definitely cooled everything down, made the, the ground wet. And today, as I record this, uh, we've got grey skies with the sun trying ever so slightly to to um, poke through. But when it does, it's very watery sunlight and certainly not warm at all. There's also a wind which brings down the temperature even more. And um, I'm sitting here... Um, wearing a shawl and two jerseys and some socks and shoes just to try and keep warm. Uh, as I stare out of my window, my white stinkwood tree has nearly lost all its leaves um, and there's a lot of dry leaves blowing all over the garden. So it really is um, one of those cold, blustery, wintry days. And um, well, as I say, I'm I'm nice and warm in my house, but we are all mindful of the children out there, um, especially the orphaned and vulnerable children whom we send blankets to on our usual distributions. They are um, the the children who are not fortunate enough necessarily to be in brick and mortar houses, and many of them are in informal settlements in shack dwellings where there is not much shelter from the wind and the rain. And one hopes that in those situations there is an adult present, somebody just to make sure that they are safe and protected and have enough um, uh, warm something or other, warm clothes or blankets to wrap around them and something warm to eat or drink. Um, it's really very concerning in this in this weather, and um, we just wish we could get 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 more um, of our of our uh, knitted items out to them. Um, just to let you know, the Knitter Square Knit Along, the KAL, is still continuing and I'm up to date with that. So I've turned my attention to just knitting some plain Jane squares. We are very low on squares at the moment. Um, we literally are down to um, counting our uh, individual blanket packs on our, you know, they're, they're just a handful of them left that need to be sewn up and distributed. Um, and so I'm very concerned that I can, you know, do my bit by getting as many squares to the volunteers to sew up as possible. As we speak, I'm knitting a grey, a school grey square. It's, well, the colour is called school grey. It's a sort of a darkish grey, which I think will provide a nice backdrop to any bright colours. So that's what I've chosen to knit in today. Um, to let you know a little bit about the upcoming uh, episode... The first interview I have is with Sandy MacDonald and of course she is Rhonda Lowry's niece. She's living in Australia now and um, she and Rhonda came up with the original plan for Nitta Square way back in 2008. Uh, Sandy gives a lovely account of how that came to be and of some of the, the very early um, ideas and projects and challenges that um, members initiated to kind of get the ball rolling. And it's wonderful for me, as someone who joined much later on, to hear those stories from Sandy, because I think she tells them very well. So look forward to that. And then in the second part of the show, I'm going to be chatting to um, Estelle and Athelay and Rhonda about um, some distributions that are happening at the moment. Um, as I've said, we are very restricted in being able to get the... Um, the blankets out because of permits and lockdown and the risk to our members of COVID-19. So we've tried to partner with other people who are, have already organized things like soup kitchens and um, handouts uh, in the informal settlements so that there is um, a 
uh, already a presence on the ground and it's easier to do it that way than to try and organize something separately with our volunteers. So you'll hear all about that and sort of the, the headaches and the, the difficulties and the logistics of all that. But I think it gives you a, um, an idea of, of literally what it's like where we're scrabbling for square, squares and trying to get ways and means of getting them out to the children. So happy knitting, everybody. Morning, Sandy. It's morning for me here in Johannesburg and I believe evening for you in Melbourne. Um, I just really uh, welcome you onto our, onto our podcast and um, it's great to have you all the way from Australia and uh, here to tell us all about the beginnings of Knitter Square. Yes, thank you, Leanne. I'm, I'm delighted to be part of this interview, part of the early stages of the CAS podcast. Uh, looking forward to seeing how it's going to grow over the years with all the stories that you're going to be able to tell. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. um, Sandy, I wanted to know, um, was knitting always a part of your, your um, childhood experience? Was it a passion of yours growing up? Uh, no, it wasn't a passion of mine. It was most definitely a passion of my mother's. And um, I, I, I do recall very distinctly being in the UK when I was a little girl. Uh, because my dad was a pilot and mm -hmm. and he was uh, seconded from Zimbabwe where where I was born um, and Rhonda was born as well mm -hmm. um, to the UK and when I was around six and being entirely dressed from head to foot in buttercup yellow <laughs> uh, leggings hat jumper gloves the whole lot so my, my mother was a passionate knitter mm -hmm. um, I did learn to knit, but I didn't have a passion for it. And so in and of itself, it wasn't a passion for knitting that started mm. Knitter Square. But um, my mother def definitely had a role to play in how it all happened. Yeah. So then, then what was the link that's, that got you starting Knitter Square? It was like a lot of these things um, in life, very serendipitous, a whole intersection of things happening at, at exactly the right time um, for an idea to be sparked. So mm. uh, Rhonda had come over to visit us in 2008 because um, my mother is her older sister mm -hmm. and um, Rhonda and her family left for South Africa in 84 in exactly the same time when um, my mum and myself and my family left to come to Australia, yeah. leaving Zimbabwe behind and all our family history. So we were a very close family and it was um, pretty devastating for us to be so far apart. So um, we'd visited Africa and she'd came, came across in 2008. And um, she was literally in passing one night she just uh, said that she kept blankets in the back of her car, that she cheap blankets that she'd mm. bought, that she would hand out to children that she found alone and cold on the side of the road at night. And I, I was absolutely shocked because we'd been out of Africa at that stage for 14 years. And um, I, I didn't have recall of seeing numbers of kids on the side of the road and here in Australia, to be honest, if you know, if one kid was found alone and cold on the side of the road at night, it would be headline news. So yeah. it, it, really, um, it really shocked me. Um, mm. At the same time, literally the month before, my mother had knitted me a blanket, a beautiful blanket made out of squares. Yeah. And the third thing that was happening was that I was playing around on the internet uh, myself at the time trying to work out how to make the internet work. So we're talking 2008. Mm -hmm. uh, WordPress wasn't around. Facebook was very, very new. Um, you know, the, it was, it was really early days of the very internet. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of had this feeling that the internet was going to be, well, it was already quite big, but it was mm -hmm. going to be massive. And I just wanted to get my teeth into a project that would show me how it worked. Um, so Rhonda left and we, we actually left, we talked about a few ideas. Um, as you know, Rhonda is a committed Christian and mm. um, I said to her, well, maybe we could do something like a, my prayer daily. Um, I said, I remember thinking that would be, and you could, you could send me prayers and I, I'll post prayers for mm. you. And how would that work? Um, 
uh, and then she left and I start. I kept thinking about it and it was literally one of those, I don't know, those ideas thing. <laughs> pops into your head. Yeah. Ah, oh, you know, she's buying these blankets and that must be costing a bit of money. I'm sure there's a way in which I could ask the knitters of the world to knit a square mm-hmm. and send them to her and then she could make blankets and yes. the word knit a square popped into my head. So I went yes. looking online, knit a square was available mm-hmm. and um, I bought it. And then right. I set about trying to make a website and that was a really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, learning from scratch in the early days, that must have been quite a, uh, yeah. quite a challenge, I would imagine. Well, there was literally no, there was no, there was no easy way to do it. There wasn't a, there wasn't Word, WordPress didn't exist, or if it did, it was still, you had to code. And so I did a lot of research. I remember it was a Sunday afternoon uh, and I did a lot of research and I stumbled across um, an organization called Site Build It. Mm-hmm. And um, what they promised for a fairly reasonable amount of money, it wasn't expensive, I think it was like $30 a month, mm-hmm. was um, a step-by-step guide to building a website that mm-hmm. they promised would uh, find the people that you wanted to find. Yes. And that made a lot of sense to me. So, But they, they, they took you through a quite rigorous training program and you had to literally tick the boxes before they would allow you to publish the website. So you had to write 20 pages of content that had been, um, as they called it, optimized. So I did a huge amount of keyword research trying to find how did I write this content that would be meaningful to knitters um, and at the same time be able to tell them the story about the children. And so two things happened simultaneously. One was that I began to have to do a huge amount of research about the issue around the children. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the second thing was that I did this huge amount of research around the knitters and I discovered two things that were really to change the whole dynamic from it just being a little project that Mm -hmm. was on the side that I thought might, you know, deliver Rhonda a few squares and she wouldn't have to buy blankets anymore to an understanding of the extent of the problem, um, first of all. And so the day that I read the story from Stephen Lewis, who was um, at that stage, he'd first of all, he'd headed up um, the United Nations envoy for HIV AIDS Mm -hmm. in Africa. Uh, And then he had also opened a charity called the Stephen Lewis Foundation in Canada. and the day I read an article by him that, in which he told the story of a, of a little girl who, who wept copiously and how the tears just flowed down her cheeks and down her skirt um, because she'd lost her mum just a few days before and how he, he said it was as if her tears were plumbing the depths of the ocean. And even telling you this story now, all these years later, I still get a lump in my throat when I tell the story mm-hmm. was the day that I, I realized this wasn't just a hobby. This was a passion that I needed to do something yes. to make a difference in the lives of these children. And so um, there was the combination of that understanding and the extent of how many children were being affected mm-hmm. on the one hand. And the other thing was understanding that there were these these knitters around the world who, who were not only passionate about knitting, but, but would wanted to make a difference with their knitting. And I, I got yes. to understand that you know, there was only so many hats and jumpers and scarves they could knit for their families that they, yes, exactly. they needed an outlet. Mm-hmm. So, and at the same time, I was learning from Site Build It you know, you could find a keyword and then you could write a story to that keyword. And then, then that keyword might, somebody might go on and say, you know, how, where, how do I knit for, how do I make Afghan squares for charity, for Mm -hmm. example, or how do I make baby, where, where can I find baby blankets for children that need baby blankets? And and so Mm. I was able to write these stories that said, you know, you're, you're a knitter and you want to make a difference. And, you can knit your squares and 
this is what will happen with them. And then as the squares started to arrive, mm -hmm. I was able to tell the story of Rhonda opening the parcels and then finding the volunteers, taking them to the churches in Soweto initially, which is sort yes. of how it started. I was able to show those, tell those stories. And so initially that's how the stories started. And I think stories are incredibly powerful because people are moved by stories more than by statistics. You know, it's one thing to say, this is how many vulnerable children there are, or this is um, <clears throat> how many blankets arrived, and it's just fact after fact. But it's another thing when you actually paint pic uh, word pictures, you know, through stories about the impact that it was making. Um, and, and I guess that, you know, again, it was serendipitous because I wasn't, I couldn't have known at that stage the world of color and um, creativity Absolutely. that this would explore. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and all the stories that would emanate from that. Mm. And then the world of um, color and, and warmth and comfort of wrapping the blankets around the children and the various distributions that were, were going to be done in those early years and have continued ever since. And the world of, uh, you know, amazing color and, and, and quite beautiful little stories that would come out of each distribution that I was able to, to tell. Um, and I mean, it was, it was just quite the most absorbing. Um, it absorbed me and, and my life and, and Rhonda, of course, and it still does with Ron's um, and, and the volunteers and also my family here. We, we all just became completely immersed. That's in wonderful. this world of <laughs> and and how did the forum start because i mean you you had the website um when you started you know just with your stories and pictures and everything but to get everybody sort of in discussion and everything how did all that begin oh it's a wonderful story you know i should just say um because it's kind of it's so much part of how initially that there were literally no stories initially and mm. um because i was not a knitter um, I had my the, my mum's blanket to show. Mm -hmm. but, um, the the very first weekend, I'm just looking for for things to put on this website to to get to these twenty pages so that the website yes. could go live. Um, I went and bought a couple of jumpers in an op shop, and I felted them because I had a friend who was a felter, and she told me how to okay. do it, and cut them up and and photographed this felted blanket, and mm -hmm. and that was actually. <laughs> One of the first, you know, this is how, how to make a blanket. So it, how, when, when I think of how Knitter Square has come on from that des desperate attempt to show yes. a blanket and squares. Um, so what happened was the website went live and very quickly it started to generate traffic. Yeah. So I, I was, because part of the site builder thing was you could see, you know, how, what pages you had and how many people were visiting. And, Definitely, yes. Um, which was very exciting. I mean, I'd literally every day, it was like, oh, another 400 knitters. This is mm -hmm. so amazing. Parcels started to arrive. And then uh, Lion Brand in February 2009. So the website went live in October 2008. So not long after, four months after. Mm -hmm. uh, emailed me and said, we'd like to feature Knitter Square as the Wonderful. charity of the month. Now, Lion Brand has Huge. a million knitters <laughs> on its database. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I said, yes, that's lovely. And sure enough, the article went out. They sent mm -hmm. me an, a copy of it. And literally from that day for the next three weeks, I was bombarded with <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of emails every day. And some of those knitters are still part of the community, which That's I think is incredible. so extraordinary. Yeah. So I was answering questions. Can you crochet? What if the squares are not eight by eight? Mm -hmm. Can we use acrylic rather than wool? Because I'd said wool on the website. Mm. Um, you know, will, will we see photographs of our squares? All these questions were being asked. How, how do we finish off our squares? How do we yeah. post them? You know, all those questions. Sure. <laughs> It made um, it made you jump because suddenly you had to have answers for all these things. Oh, I, I was doing a lot of research on my feet. But what was also amazing was that I was getting people. So two 
young women mm-hmm. contacted me. One was a young girl called Carla Austin from Canada. Mm-hmm. And she said, she was only 19 at the time. And she said, um, I think we need to do a race. We need to do a challenge and okay. race people uh, to, to build the number of squares. Um, actually, I've got that back to front because that was in April. Mm-hmm. And this is February. Um, and a young woman called Kerry Paris from England contacted me and said, we need a forum. So she was first. Oh. She said, we need a forum. Yes. And um, because then all these questions you're being asked can be answered in the forum and people can find the answers answers to their questions. Yeah. So we, we put a forum together, Pamela Jean Hessler, who's still a moderator, I believe on Mm -hmm. the forum. She's the chair leader of Mitter Square. (laughs) She's always been, you know, got things together. She found a forum and she sort of cobbled something together and we, we got it together. And then, all these people started to bounce up and say, can, can we help? Can we help? Mm. It was like, uh, you know, I, I can do the crush thing. I can do the, I can, it was incredible. And yeah. then Kyla came up with this idea of the race and it mm-hmm. became the first challenge. Wonderful. April race. And, um, and then the moderators started to come up with these amazing ideas about we could knit flags, we could do fruit, we could do alphabets. Yeah couple of other things happened that I think really bought into this dynamic, if you like, because um, the forum built very quickly to, you know, three or 4,000 people mm-hmm. really quickly. Um, one was uh, the, the organization called 10,000 squares who contacted me in, I don't know, not long after that, um, mm-hmm. who, who they're in um, near Kruger, they're, I can't remember the town mm-hmm. that they're in, but near, near Kruger National Park. Mm-hmm. They have this, it's an American-based charity, and they have this amazing idea that people donate the money for one squ- a brick, and then they build a home. Yes, they build homes. yes, okay. It's a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. And we got in dialogue, and I said to them, could we knit for your orphan children? And they said, yes, well, we've got, I think, 120 kids at the time. Mm-hmm. And we made this challenge where people could um, embroider the, we got the names of the children and people could actually embroider the name or the letter on a square. Now, logistically, it was a nightmare for us. She had to (laughs) gather all the squares for the blankets and then, you know, make sure that the, the L or the M or whatever was in a parcel for that child. For sure. But it did... I think it created an amazing dynamic because I think it was the stage at which the people in the forum realized that they had some ownership for, mm-hmm. for what they were doing on the ground in South Africa. Yeah. You know, they actually knew the names of the children and, um, and the stories that were coming back and the photographs and the videos and everything. And I really feel that that was a, sem- a seminal moment where, the moderators and the members of the forum began to take ownership of, mm. of this um, project. Um, so I'm not sure that that was too, I think that was more like 2000, late 2009, maybe early 2010. Mm. Um, and uh, there was a, a great a, a forum moderator at that stage called Dawn Sliming Smith. And she initiated um a blog called all for orphans, which I, I opened and then started to put blogs up because site build, it wasn't really great for blogs. Mm. It was a really clunky words, website. Mm. I had to code all the newsletters in HTML. I had to learn <laughs> to get all the wow. photographs. It used to take me three or four days to put out a newsletter. Yes. yes. You know? And um, somewhere in maybe 2009, 10, um, we discovered Ning. And so we transferred from this first forum to Ning. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, and Ning gave us a, a whole lot of other options. Um, yeah, and we began to be able to have genuine discussions um, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in the forums. And then I think in 2010, when I was, um, we visited our family, went to South Africa the last time we were, were able to go mm-hmm. um, for a big reunion. And so I got to see Knitter Square on the ground, which was yes. fantastic, of and go course. to some of the distributions. And um, 
uh, it was during our visit in 2010 that I understood the fact that we could, this was not sustainable without money. Mm. Uh, and so I did the first appeal in 2010. And um, yes, okay, and only it, and then. It, yeah. Sure. And, and we, we did it on this line of a subscription, you know, three or four dollars a month. Um, and of course, since then, um, the moderators, um, you know, have become absolutely fantastic at raising money and have, yeah, they you know, have. up the ante that Andrea uh, Palmetta, I don't know when Andrea came up with the ruler. Um, that was such a brilliant idea. That this yeah. was the thing that people were coming up with ideas left, right, and center, and mm -hmm. I was just like facilitating the ideas. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, that would be fantastic! That would be awesome. Could we do it in French? Could we do it in? Wow. You know, could we have a square um, square brochure and, and and fundraising ideas and um, mm -hmm. and so these ideas were just flying in. And I mean, the ruler was such a fabulous idea. The the eight centimeter eight inch, uh, 20 centimeter ruler that Andrea yes. came up with. And then Andrea came up with the, sh the shop idea. Um, and so really the, at this stage, the dynamic was just uh, moving at a pace. Um, it was the most, it was the most extraordinarily exciting thing to be involved be in, of, in those yeah. early years. Um, Amazing. And I'm sure yeah. it's, it's it, in a way it's changed your life because I mean, to, to, to know that, that you've initiated, you've given birth to something that has affected so many people, because as you say, it's not just the children and the caregivers and everybody and the volunteers on the scene. It's the nurses all over the world who've really poured their, their love into these things. It was a, a really quite humbling experience, the whole thing, because on the other hand, there was also, you know, Rhonda managing the, this influx, this, I mean, the, her lounge room, when we got there in 2010, before they'd moved to Casbah, mm. her lounge room was literally walls of boxes, walls and walls. That's how they lived for like five <laughs> years. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it, it absolutely fundamentally changed her life too. And then all the volunteers. Right. So there were all these people that were being impacted on it, in, impact, impacted in a way that, I could, you know, you could never have imagined. I don't mm. think they, no, nobody really imagined the scale of how it would play out and the way the ideas would take hold. Um, Helen, um, I remember Helen, she was from a church somewhere in America, mm -hmm. came up with the idea of the Kaz cuddle. Oh, yes. The little, like the little cocoon for, mm -hmm. uh, and they, they, you know, she created a, a pattern for it and then all of a sudden there were just hundreds of cast cuddles arriving Coming in, that yeah. was the response that people would have to these ideas it, it was so so it, it was extraordinary mm. it, it, absolutely extraordinary and and deeply humbling mm. uh, you know mm. i think that was i was overwhelmed by the response yeah and um, humbled by it and yes it did change my life absolutely yeah. For sure. And uh, these days, uh, Sandy, I know that you, you aren't very much on the forefront of, of the, um, the website, but you still are pretty involved in maintaining the, the technical sort of, well, the, the, the way that the actual website functions and the, um, what do they call it, the intellectual property and making all Yes, sure I, that's I, I am. And, you know, that was not really by design. Um, as I say, my family and I got incredibly involved and we were very involved right up until about 2011, mm -hmm. uh, 12 maybe. Um, and then we just had to face reality, which is that we, could, we couldn't run a charity <laughs> no. and not work. Um, For sure. And by that stage, um, there were a lot of people who were really taking responsibility for the way in which the um, forum could work and, and mm. raising money and um, running the, the, the challenges. Mm. Um, and one of them was Pam Antic. And I really need to do a huge shout out to Pam because mm. she, she was so solid and sensible and she just, you know, she, she knew how to make this um, informal not-for-profit because really mm. the, the, 
that the worldwide community became like an informal not-for-profit. It, it, yeah. it wasn't constituted in any way, but it That's was running right. like a, like a, like an organization. And she knew how to run it, I think, very mm-hmm. well. Um, and I think the very last challenge that we were involved in, which was one I just loved so much, we called it the bus. It was, um, it was the bus challenge where we filled a number of buses with uh, little tiny icons that represented the kids with the number of blankets and how many buses could we fill? And I think we filled oh. 350 buses or oh something. It was goodness. such an exciting challenge. Yes. And, um, and I do actually want to remind everyone of that amazing challenge that happened just after I left, which was um, knitting the squares to the height of Table Mountain. <gasps> And going oh on a worldwide goodness. challenge, yes. worldwide trip that started with the Little Mermaid, and they, okay. they worked out the height of the Little Mermaid and knitted the squares for that, and then Cleopatra's needle and the Statue of Liberty and Niagara Falls all around the world until they what knitted an amazing idea. squares. I didn't Isn't know that. that. Phenomenal. Gee. Yes. Such a challenge. Such a wonderful story. Anyway, that I think that happened just after I left. So around. 2012 it was quite clear that I, I i i literally had to come back and rebuild a business yes yes um, yes in order for us to survive mm-hmm. financially and so i handed over the reins to pam um and she did such a grand grand job mm. um and uh and then but kept um needed needed to house the website's um, and have a, a, a place where all of that IP was housed. So yes. I've always maintained that. Um, as I said to Andrea the other day, I have got a detailed list of, you know, all the logins and, and all the domains and where they all are and, and yeah. how they're hosted and everything in case anything ever happens to me. Yeah. <laughs> Rhonda's, sure. Rhonda's got a copy uh, <laughs> so that, that they're safe and the legacy is there. Mm. Um, and then in 2000 and 17 the website crashed i don't know if you remember that yes i remember you had to relaunch it i didn't realize it, that was it crashed devastating it was absolutely devastating linda hunt uh, linda maltby who had mm-hmm. been such a, a stalwart as well um sent some of the most beautiful crocheted squares i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. um she uh she was the one who contacted me and said the, the website's done that, mm. that you can't Anyway, we, we, we desperately went to, to try and reinstall it and it was, got, it was literally gone. Oh my goodness. Um, it was devastating. And I think it was because at that stage, lots and lots of different people from different um, places all over the world were coming on and um, uploading stuff. Mm. And, uh, and unfortunately, it just must have introduced a virus or something te- terrible mm. and the host hosting people couldn't get it back up. It was the most wow. horrible month. Uh, and so Andrea, uh, for which I will be forever grateful, came on board and the two of us spent two months, I think, and we completely rebuilt it from scratch. And you had we to retrieve a lot to, of stuff. We were able to retrieve a lot of stuff, but a mm. lot of it's just still sitting uh, waiting for us to get it back uh, from really? its kind of coded ugh, and and make sense of it. Um, but I think really the combination of the forum, um, the Facebook group, which mm-hmm. my daughter started that Facebook page and she's okay. a social media whiz and she got, mm-hmm. got it up to five or 6,000 very quickly. And then the, again, the moderators were able to take it over. I think Amy mm-hmm. Pettigrew is now running that. Yes. And, um, uh, the combination of those three, the, the websites um, there, I'm not sure that it's doing the job that it used to do to bring in new knitters um, because I think the forum does that. And yes. I think there's so many other different ways in which um, the, the, the moderators themselves, you know, they've got their own social media accounts. And um, I know Gloria's, I think Gloria's responsible for the Knitter Square song and that sort of generated traffic. And, Mm -hmm. and then now you with the podcast. So there's all these Mm -hmm. different arms that are bringing in the knitters um, and the crocheters and, um, and, and fine. And, and also, I mean, you know, uh, if you, if we, 
I, you know, I suppose it would be possible to really crank the website back up again and, and make it a traffic driving machine. But I'm kind of nervous that, that it, it, if, if we had the resources to do that, that it might overwhelm the moderators and Rhonda in South Africa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, especially at this stage, because during lockdown, um, we, we've got a, a, a what you call it, a bottleneck on all the posts. So it's, it's all been sent. Well, some of it's been sent, but hasn't got through. So we'll be very busy when things start moving again. Oh, um, yes. But, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to um, deter us. We've got very willing volunteers this end. And then once we are able to do our distributions again, we'll just have to go into double speed and get all the blankets out. It'll be... Yeah, and the Gogos on our end, busy sewing. There's always lots and lots of groups that are looking yeah. for, for um, opportunities to make a little bit of extra cash sewing up blankets. The stories of the Gogos too is just, I, I thought that in the early years, I, I thought that was just such, they were such fabulous stories. Mm. You know, it was such a lovely closed loop somehow. These yes. wonderful knitters all over the world knitting their squares, you know, being creative, sending the squares with the love that they did. Because I always felt that the squares, my, it was my husband who coined the term uh, currency of hope, that the mm. squares were a currency of hope. And yes. I had this, always had this image of these squares flying from all over the world yes. in these packages sent with love, sent yeah. with so much care. Mm. And then Rhonda and the volunteers and all of you unpacking them and recording them and bundling them also with love. And then the Gorgos knitting, sewing them together with love for these, you know, these children that have so little and, and then them, them being wrapped around their um, shoulders with so much yes. love. It just felt like such a wonderful closed loop of love somehow. Mm, absolutely. Gee. Sandy, I think we'll end it there because that's a lovely image that you've painted of the children wrapped in this little envelope, cozy envelope of love from the, the squares knitted by people from all over the world. Thank you so much for joining me this morning to, to share your memories of the, the beginnings of Knitter Square and all the challenges that you had to um, contend with. But uh, you've done an amazing work getting the thing off the ground and inspiring us all. So thank you so much. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you very much for the opportunity to tell the story. Um, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking forward to years and years and years of watching and helping where I can. Uh, Knitter Square continue to do the, the incredible work and the ministry that Rhonda's started and hopefully will continue. Uh, and people like you, really amazing, very exciting. And thank you. Great. Thank you. So we've managed to make some progress, although it's been pretty tough getting um, permits and all that kind of thing. But now that we're sort of in lockdown level three, there is some possibility to get out and about and to do some small distributions. Um, Ath, do you want to tell us about uh, what you've been able to do? I know you, you managed to do something recently. Yeah, thanks, Leanne, and hello to all the listeners. Um, I, I didn't actually ever get a permit. But what I did get, luckily, through Facebook, one of my clients, I saw that she was uh, distributing food to the communities that aren't under the government's health umbrella. And so I tagged along and asked her if we might be able to uh, use her conduit to get some things, uh, some goodies into the communities that she was getting into. And what that resulted in, her name's Courtney, uh, and uh, Courtney Green, she's a lovely lady, and she has a contact uh, called Judith, um, who she's been working with for a number of years in this extremely disadvantaged, uh, uh, very vulnerable community in Dipsler. They are all economic refugees from our neighboring countries in that particular uh, uh, um, uh, it's now an informal settlement. Mm. Um, it's been there for a long time, but it's still an informal settlement, and they, it's a very, very poor community. And so Judith took twenty blank, uh, uh, 50 blankets 
um, from Estelle and I. Estelle will tell you where some of those were from. Some, uh, 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 actually about 15 were from the Croatia ladies, the very last box we got in from them before lockdown. Mm. So that was really nice. Some of them were quite small, perfect for the little babies. And um, yeah, so 50 blankets. Um, none of those, I don't think, were from me. And uh, toys and beanies. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, we're out of hand warmers. Mm -hmm. And um, then uh, 34 blankets that Estelle's crew and I have uh, uh, worked on during lockdown, so they lockdown blankets, are going to uh, Fleurhof, which I think it's called that, which mm -hmm. is a... A, a very bad, uh, from what I've gathered, squatter camp on the West Rand. Um, and uh, Courtney has got a big food drop tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So she's fetching me early and then I'm going to have to wait while she does the big shop. And then I'm going to tag along and be able to hand out those blankets and beanies and toys myself so that I can know that we can get good pictures. Although, bless her heart, Judith, so far what she's managed to hand out, she's really made an effort with the pictures, and I've seen they've been really gratefully received. Hopefully there will still be a, a little bit more of a, a trickle in on on those. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, then we are we have our 100, and how many is it still? What have we got for Clarence? We busy... Well, Fiddling with Clarence and Peter Maritzburg. Let's let Estelle fill us in a little on where we are with that. Okay. Well, before, hi everyone. Um, before lockdown, about the day before, uh, Ath and I were all ready to go and we had 128 blankets. Mm -hmm. uh, plus uh, land beanies, because it's bitterly mm -hmm. cold in Clarence, that came from Judith Rose and her team. Uh, from America, mm. we had hand warmers and we had toys, yes. um, a lot of them from uh, Croatia, from Bosnia. And uh, yes. so, so those are already, they've been in my sitting room for about three months now. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, we're not allowed mm -hmm. visitors, so we don't use that one. So they're all there, and I've grown very attached to them. I don't know if I'm going to let them go. <laughs> so, um, and then besides that, we I think I gave you 26 that I've yes. collected from my friends during lockdown. I got another five last night. And um, so all in all, there were 187, I think, Ath, and I gave you 26. Wow. So, yes. so there's only just 161. That's not enough for... Clarence and Peter Marisburg. That's the issue. Well, yeah. I am, I'm waiting from Sandra Pile uh, down in, in, in Marisburg to tell us how many children in Jika Joe's, which is the worst squatter camp I've ever seen, uh, how many children in Jika Joe's they are reaching. And then basically what Estelle and I are doing at the moment is anytime we get really thick squares, we quickly put together as quick as we can another thick blanket and then we swap mm -hmm. out what we had put to one side for Clarence oh, yeah. um, uh, with the, you know, our latest yes. blankets. And then we're just waiting to be able to do <clears throat> uh, level two interprovincial travel. And then mm -hmm. I'm probably going to actually have to make two trips down. But because Estelle can't, won't be able to come with me, I might be able to fit all 128 in the car to Clarence. And Am so I that, that big? Yeah. <laughs> No, well, you know, I'm thinking your no, 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 no. and your seat. I Just could fill it with toys, yes. <laughs> By the way, while we're mentioning Bozica, I would love to just say that um, I think since we last spoke, there's been very devastating news for the for our little Knitter Square community who've really become friends with each other in that mm -hmm. Bozica's uh, most beloved husband. Bozica is the lady who makes all the absolutely beautiful uh, uh, handmade little toys. And yes. she's actually famous in Croatia. Some of her little toys actually became national mascots for the COVID-19 um, wow. uh, message. Um, uh, she's been on TV a number of times through the distributions that I've done of her things and got pictures and and she's really uh, done a lot for Knitter Square 
just through her efforts and her husband <coughs> suddenly passed away in his sleep mm. unexpectedly totally unexpectedly He's still oh. young i think like maybe in his 50s i'm not sure but in any event so that's been a very sad. very 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 sad news for the ladies of croatia mm. and those of us on this side of the ocean who've come to know mm. and care for her very much mm. so just uh, sending the love and condolences to her and her family yeah. and his family yeah. Mm. Yeah. but anyway a, a whole bunch of her wonderful toys are waiting to go to Clarence and I was thinking Estelle I know Bozik is always so cheered up by our pictures um, and she's had a tough year all round so I can't wait to get those toys into the kitty's hands I am keeping them back for Clarence mm -hmm. so that I know uh, I, I can get really good pictures there because I know that the, the, the crowd is well controlled. It's, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. that's um, that's what's happening outside. But I, what I would also say about uh, the concern really about Peter Maritzburg is uh, maybe uh, Rhonda and I and uh, Estelle should just work together and figure out exactly what we have because... Mm. We don't. We, we're going to run out of squares, and there's going. We don't know how big a gap before we get squares again. And I've got maybe twelve blankets here in my cupboard still to sew, and I don't know how many it still has. But then that's it. Mm. And if I haven't got enough, I can't even go down to Maritzburg. So we could have level three lift, but then we don't have enough. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to add actually quickly that. We found um, Rhonda and I, was, Rhonda was so kind because of my disorganization. We, I didn't have everything <laughs> together for Dipsluit. So Rhonda met me back at the barn and we, we took maybe, what was it, Rhonda? Maybe like 22, I think it was, blankets yeah. off the shelves yeah. that various other ladies and whoever have made. And gosh, did we find some lovely blankets. Well, there some beautiful blankets that come from yeah. the and, uh, you know, they, they yeah. really are doing... And I think work. somewhere maybe from Liz and from Audrey, mm -hmm. I think, because yeah. theirs you mm. just go onto the shelf. Mm. But it was very heartening to find such lovely blankets there on the shelves. That's mm. great. Sure. Yes, That's absolutely. Great. Rhonda, have you, so, um, have you got any news about a distribution? I thought something else is happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do, actually. We've been approached by an NGO on the East Rand, sort of Benoni area, I think, called... Um, oh, sorry, let me find their name quickly here. Uh, they call themselves the 100% Foundation. Mm -hmm. And this lady, uh, Spire Machlango, uh, has been in touch. Uh, initially, she asked for, um, they're looking after four uh, early learning centers. Um, so that's actually preschool kids, I would think, mm -hmm. early childhood development centers and they asked for 250 uh, beanies and hand warmers and soft toys mm -hmm. and I've been we've been in touch by email and we have offered her those except of course we are out of hand warmers but we can certainly give them the beanies and the soft toys and then I will probably make up for the hand warmers with you know 50 to 100 blankets depending on our stocks yes uh which are getting a little bit lower but after all we want to get them out and this is specifically for mandela day so uh, we would like to have a footprint in that i would agree um, mm -hmm. yeah i think yeah, even uh, if peter marisburg has to wait mm -hmm. if i if they i mean to have a, a new a bona fide outlet on such an uh, important day mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm with you rhonda Yes, but so that's where mm. we are, Leanne. We're scrabbling yep. for blankets. We're scrabbling for squares. Scrabbling. <laughs> Just being real. Well, if, anyway, if uh, look, any... we are. We are going to. Re we are going to actually deplete our stocks. But it will be the first time ever yep. that we get right down to ground zero, and that may not be a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a time for mm. a clean out and a bit, a bit of an assessment about. What we can nice do, that. Yep. you know. So yes. I'm not worried about it, and there are things coming in. I'm getting many phone calls. Oh, wonderful! People I've never heard from before who found the website and yes. who are prepared to come over and deliver 
um, you know, bag, a few bags of, I mean, just shopping bags, you know, they're not, yes. in, uh, you know, dustbin bags. They're oh, but that's huge. wonderful. It's a little bit square to us. Yeah. They've been making during lockdown, and so we'd make up, we'd make a whole lot of new friends. Yeah. And, oh, how um, fun! I had oh, a yesterday from a, a lady called, um, I see, I'm going to, Maureen. I'm so glad I remembered. <laughs> her squares are absolutely beautiful. <gasps> oh, can't yeah. wait to see so those. They're wow. already in the barn because I went in there this morning and I met Wendy. It was so lovely to see Very Wendy. nice. And oh. um, we we packed up 550 beanies, small beanies for wow. her project on the West Rand. Wow. Um, also a very, very poor area. It is to do with a bigger NGO that is putting together food packs for that area and wow. they, they wanted to take beanies for the for the children. Um, and so we've sent them with our letters and everything. So the Knitter Square will be acknowledged in that. Yes. I, I doubt very much there will be any photographs, but um, Wendy knows this person and it's all very above board. So... Um, you know, that so there's wonderful. a little bit of activity coming in. There's oh, how lot wonderful. Of, a lot going yes. out. Um, this was just beanies, mm. but Wendy bought six magnificent <clears throat> blankets with her. So that's that's as good as squares in. So we've got a little bit mm -hmm. of a square count there. Mm -hmm. I'm about to do the square lists for um, Annika uh, to, to let everybody know. And those yes. are squares that, apparently, you know, we kind of received in and counted maybe May and June. Okay. You know, it's, there, there's no specific month really anymore. <laughs> but um, I'm going to give her that square count as soon as I can. And um, so actually, basically, things are just swimming along. And there you have it. Well, as you could hear, everybody's very busy and racking their brains trying to find out new ways of of working because this really is a very unusual season for us at Nutter Square as it is for everybody in the country and I think um, certainly is going to be a watershed moment looking back when when all this is over we will look back and I'll say so much sort of came out of this time in terms of change and new um, angles new new ways of doing things so uh, as you are um, Thinking of, of the children and doing whatever you can in terms of knitting and crocheting, um, I just want to uh, thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. If you have any stories to share, um, perhaps local stories about um, how you and friends of yours have been knitting for Nissa Square and what it's meant to you, I'd love to hear from you. Um, we can always arrange a, a short interview via Zoom or something similar and um and, and just uh, include it on the podcast because I think the, the more connectivity we can get with our members around the world, particularly at this time, the nicer because um, it's wonderful to, to know that we are working together on a, on a common goal that is very, very necessary and important. Um, so thank you all. And uh, once again, um, thanks for, for joining me and for being part of this amazing work that we're doing uh, to help the orphaned and vulnerable children in South Africa. So until next time, this is Leanne Hunt casting off. You can find show notes at www.knit-a-square.com slash kas-podcast. Please tell your friends about this podcast if you've enjoyed it, and you can share links on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever your knitting friends congregate. Together, we are bringing hope to South Africa's vulnerable children, one square at a time. <laughs>